Hey, Ken. Hey, Job. Um, I just want to start this episode with a little bit of a premonition. Okay. So, next month, right? Yeah. Uh, Resident Evil Village comes out, right? Oh, yeah, it does. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. Currently, you and my brother are uh, playing through all of the Resident Evil games together, like everyone. We've talked about this in the podcast before. Yes, we're currently on Resident Evil 6, which was probably the case last week and the week before it, because that game is really long for no reason. Mm-hmm. And bad. Yep. You're doing that. So I'm also doing something similar. So I'm playing through all the mainline games, and I just started, which means I have to go kind of quick. Uh, yeah. But I'm doing dude, that as well. Dude. I just beat Resident Evil 1 uh, yesterday evening. It's a good game. But and all this Resident Evil, you know, it only means one thing. Mm-hmm. We're going to spin Resident Evil in two weeks. Well, three weeks. Hmm. Hmm. It, but it, it's going to happen. Just the fates will align. I mean, I'd be alright with it, it. I guess. I've been consuming every single inch of Resident Evil content that I could. I've been playing the games. Well, you're going to be... I've been reading the books. You're going to be forced to uh, watch the absolute worst inches of the whole thing. Uh, yeah, in theory. I'll tell you what, uh, I've also been watching those CGI movies with Josh. Um, We've been watching them as... Like, in, in order that they came out in conjunction with the games as well. So, we've, we're only two in. We haven't watched the third one yet. The first one was boring as shit. The second one was funny. Don't know about the third one yet. Uh, I don't know if you want to include those, but I would rather not watch that first one again, because it sucked. No, I didn't plan on including the CGI movies. I planned on including only the Paul W.S. Anderson ones. That's kind of what I was assuming. That's why I was having another excuse to watch them. Um, I mean, you're not missing much. Let's be no, real. I, I don't yeah. plan on. I don't plan on watching the Paul W.S. Anderson movies, but I guess if we have to, you know. I think if with the wheel my, God wills it, we will obey. I think I'll have a lot to say if we do, because I'm a big Resident Evil Mark Stan, if you will. Just whatever yeah, first are. name you want to <laughs> attribute to Paul. it. Uh, so I'll, I'll recognize Jeff. the references and how they fucked them up, and I think I'll have a lot to bitch about. So I think it would be fun if we spun Resident Evil. As you're you're a Resident Evil Jeff. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a big old Resident Evil Greg Hell yeah, dude. Yeah. I just I just wanted to start with I just need to make sure mm-hmm. that you know that God is going to will it into existence, and I guarantee you in T minus, I guess it's two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. We're spinning that after shit. After this one. Um well, okay. I'm gonna trust and you. If I do not spin actually... it, I will send you I yeah. will send you photo evidence of it, like, on the thing if it happens, I swear to God. Yeah, but, like, you could just put it on the thing and then say that was photo evidence. You could spin Maybe it you're and right. it could be pointing to the Godfather and you could be like, oh, no, it landed on Resident Evil. Get her. I don't want to watch these movies. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that you 
abide by the integrity of the show, if there is any. And uh, <laughs> there's at least a little bit in there somewhere. You just might have to shake it, prod it with a stick. Yeah. Well, we'll find it somewhere. If fate decides to be cruel, uh, we'll be watching Resident Evil movies soon. Yep, I, that, that's all I want. I just wanted to kick us off for a minute. Let's get on with the real show, shall we? Sure. I hope you're wrong, or maybe right. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Me too, buddy. I hope. No, you hope I'm. Are you hope I'm right? I hope I'm fucking wrong. I kind of hope you're right because it'd be funny that you were at this point. Jesus Christ. Why did I even say anything? You know, it's going to happen for sure. Yep. You did this. I've, I've damned us. Oh, well. So be it. I'll take on Paul and his W.S. Anderson. Welcome to the Ken and Chubb show. That is Ken. Hey, hi, how's it going? Over there on the other end of cyberspace. Yeah, somewhere else in the same state. Mm-hmm. Yeah, somewhere, just somewhere else, generally. I don't know. I don't. You could be in hell right now. I, I couldn't tell you. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> I'm Chubb. That is him. I exist nowhere and everywhere at the same time. <laughs> Is this true detective now? What's happening? And today we're going to talk about um, Taken Zero. Yeah. Prequel to Taken. Uh-huh. Starring sure. Liam Neeson. Yes. Uh, for some reason, Liam Neeson is in this uh, Miyazaki film. I, I don't and actually... I mean, he does a good job, but I actually... I don't understand why they cast Liam Neeson. Now, yeah. granted, this came out before all the Taken movies and before he kind of fully successfully transitioned his career into action movie star man. Very late in his career. But, like... So, I mean, maybe it's just a factor of, like, that's all I can think of him as, is, like, the man in, like, the movie that you don't watch, that you see on Netflix all the time. You know the one. There's like ten of them. <laughs> but, um... Uh... I don't know. I just... I didn't see him working as this character, necessarily. Yeah, it's weird. But he does an alright job, I guess. I don't know how I feel about this movie. Like, still. I, uh... It's a weird one. I guess we'll talk about it later. Yeah. I don't know. It's yeah, we will. We'll get into it later on, but it is very strange. It is mega strange. I I adore its style. I think that's the best part about it. Yeah, but it's substantively, I think, a little weak. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit later. For now, as I mentioned in uh, our little, little, little intro, 
I, I, I played uh, Inbeat, the uh, remake of Resident Evil. Hey, uh, I played it on PC. That's one of those good games. Wow. Mm-hmm. I played it on PC. Um, I mean, most people know like Resident Evil's a good game. We know this. One thing I wanted to add to the conversation about it real quick is um, I think the PC port is fucking awful. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I mean, like, it plays fine, but it has, like, a few really notable issues that just, like, piss me off really badly. Um, You're not the first person I've heard this from, but what are the issues? It doesn't... It doesn't function, like, in full screen. Like, at all for me. Not even a little bit. Huh. Um, when I first started up the game, tried to put it the full screen, game crashed. Oh, that's that's good. Like, oh, okay, that's great. And I tried it again. Game crashed again. Tried it a third time. Game crashed again. I uninstalled, reinstalled the game. Try to go full screen. Game crashed again. The only thing I didn't try, because I wasn't going to do it, um, was I run two monitors. I was going to unplug my second monitor and see if that works, but I just didn't want to bother. I'd just rather play it in windowed mode. Now, windowed mode's usually fine in most games. Problem is, it, like, most windowed modes in games are, like, borderless windowed. Yes. So it actually fits your, your resolution that you have. For your screen, so it'd be like you run it in nineteen twenty by ten eighty, and then it still like still takes up your entire screen. Yeah, it doesn't do that. Neither the whole like standard window thing at the top like you do for other things, and then it doesn't quite fit. That's really weird. Yeah, it's garbage. Hmm. Well, and uh, it's it's frustrating. <laughs> And like, and also like, like most PC ports of this nature, there's not really a lot of options for stuff you want to do. I don't, I don't know how Resident Evil controls on PC. I just use a controller the whole time. Thankfully, that was just plug and play. So I use an Xbox controller. I, I would not try to do keyboard mouse. No thanks. No. I gotta have a controller to play any of those games. Um, I do know that the speed run for the original uses uh, mouse and keyboard controls. Because I've watched it but, and I've heard the well, guy for the original his keys real hard, but <laughs> yeah. Imagine for the, for the original game, tank controls are probably a little easier to manage with a keyboard. Yeah, I guess all you need is like a button and then a, a WASD. You just WASD it, and it probably it probably feels a little bit better. You could probably execute commands a little faster. Technically, that's all you would need for remake, but I don't know. I, I like the satisfaction of aiming with the uh, the R1, and I like auto aim, and I like shooting shit in those games. Yeah. Did you know if you play on the hardest difficulty, you don't have auto aim? You have to actually somehow aim in Resident Evil at the creatures yeah, that are coming uh, at you. That's garbage. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not about that shit. 
I, I just feel like you need auto aim in order for the game to work. Honestly, like I, I appreciate and love. I, they're an acquired taste, but I appreciate and love the fixed camera angles and the tank controls now. After having played, you know, most of the games in the franchise that have them, but without auto aim, it's really difficult to actually hit anything because the, the creatures move around wherever the fuck they want, and. Uh, you somehow have to turn yourself correctly. And, and then, like, stuff like dogs and stuff like birds, like, you just fucking give up now. At least the zombies, you could kind of feasibly hit them without auto Because well, as long as you, like, look at them and then aim and fire, you'll hit them. Yeah. But yeah, stuff that's, like, lower to the ground. The, the chimeras are probably impossible late game. <laughs> yeah, those fucking bug boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they uh, move a bunch. Yeah, they move a bunch. They're really low to the ground. Like, I couldn't imagine. There's a couple times the auto-aim couldn't keep up. I can't imagine, like, trying to default aim that. Like, manually aim it, I mean. That's awful. Yeah, I was considering trying to plat Resident Evil, but I know that I have to beat it on real survival, which is the difficulty that I'm describing here. Uh, which also makes it so that um, item boxes do not link. Uh, you could still use item boxes, but they are like basically how it would actually work in real life where you know the trunk in the west save room does not magically link to the trunk in the east save room it's just a trunk and uh that also sounds super frustrating it's a video game thing but the magical connecting item boxes in resident evil are pretty integral to actually keeping track of your shit considering you have a uh, super limited inventory so that sounds terrible. I, I don't know. Guess that's awful. There's lots of other terrible modes too, like Invisible Enemy. Yeah, it just sounds frustrating. Yeah, just they're all invisible, Justin. Fuck it. Hit them somehow. Oh. Yeah, I don't think so. I think auto aim relying on sound cues in that game. Auto aim yeah. is automatically turned off in that one because otherwise there would there would be no point. You would still be able to hit enemies. Right. But uh, yeah, that sounds stupid. No thanks. And it's funny because uh, invisible enemies are something that I guess Shinji Mikami uh, was interested in because he would use them later down the line in a more fair scenario. But uh. Yeah, weird. Are you still playing Evil Within at all? A little bit. Um, I took a break from it to play through all these Resident Evil games, but I will, I will talk about that for a little bit. I did try, start replaying Evil Within. Another really bad PC port. Sick. Um, I stopped playing it last time because the game just like randomly crashed on me, and I just got mad and quit. That's fair. I just like went to go pick up an item, and then the game just like closed. <laughs> I was like, okay, I'm done for the day, and then I haven't gone back since. Understandable. It's, 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 there's definitely no excuse for the Evil Within. It's not that old. No, but often PC ports It came ports out like 2014 are, or whatever. Often like, PC ports are an afterthought. Uh, that's becoming less and less the norm. PCs... That is definitely not the norm anymore. Yeah, um, but in that era, the 2013s, 2014s, or whenever Evil Within came out, I actually don't know. 
That's just my guess. That's back in the era where people thought PC gaming was dying, though, which is kind of funny. The 360 PS3 era, yeah, like stuff that was designed for console um, didn't always receive uh, a good PC port or any PC port. So, it sucks. Right. Yeah, it is, it's a pain. And most of those games just don't run well. It's sad. I still feel like you can't I want to play, play a lot of them on PC. Arkham Knight effectively on PC. I still feel no, like you that cannot. is a, a mess. It's still. I don't think it's ever come back to the Steam store. Oh, really? Holy shit. Okay. I think it's still not on there. I think, like, whoever was porting it, I think, either got fired or gave up. And then they've just never done it? Right. Wow. Okay. Uh, sure. So I think the people who bought it have it, but other than that, it's gone. Yeah. Because they do, like, automatic refunds, so you had to choose to refund it. I forget specifics of this, but I was reading something about how Red Dead Redemption 1 can probably never be ported to PC, because people were wondering, because, you know, now you can play Red Dead 2. Uh, well, maybe no, you can't, but... uh, We can play Red Dead 2 on PC. Did it come out finally? Actually, I'm kept uh, Yeah, I think it. so. Um, but, you know, and like, you know, most of Rockstar's other games have came to PC eventually, but Red Dead Redemption 1 is, for some reason, so fucked, just like, at a core basic level, that porting it to PC would like, fuck everything up, probably, and, uh, I don't know, that's surprising, considering it plays pretty dang well on, like, fucking 360 so you you would think that porting it to pc would actually make stuff run better but for whatever reason there's some kind of something mechanically going on there that is just nightmarish to even start to attempt to port i don't know what it is yeah that's uh that's sad because that it would be awesome to have that game I hope they eventually port it to stuff like, you know, later. Because it being abandoned to PS3 and Xbox 360 is sad. Um, that's a good game. Obviously, Red Dead 2, for many people, uh, eclipsed it. But I still think it's a good game. Yeah, definitely. I still have to play Red yeah, Dead 2. Sad. Red Dead 2 is fucking incredible, man. You'll uh, love it. I'll be getting to it soon. Um, I mean, obviously, I'm kind of preoccupied with playing all these stupid-ass Resident Evil games, but that'll be done I think, soon. Uh, yeah, I think once you're done with Resident Evil, it should be, uh, it should be time for you to jump into that. Yeah, well, we'll see. I'm serious, like, you, you should play it. I started playing Days Gone, um, but I don't know if I'm actually gonna, like, follow through with it or not. We'll see. Yeah, I have no real interest in playing it myself. I don't. I don't know if you're missing like a whole lot. It's kind of like you know, it's, it's a video it's, game. It's another. <laughs> it's another fucking AAA open world fucking game that like had, probably has too much shit on the map. I'm not interested. I haven't encountered too much stuff, but I haven't played it for too long yet. Um, I I didn't hate what I played so far. I I, I did play it because of the recent. Uh, well, obviously, it's a PS Plus game this month, so a lot of people got it for free. 
and then the the guy who uh, made the game, who has been fired by Sony uh, because he crunched the shit out of people, I believe, and did some other stuff. I don't remember exactly, but he did an interview and like was basically kind of like talking down to consumers who chose to wait for sales or chose to wait for the game to be on PS Plus and and viewed them as lesser customers and viewed them as, you know, eh, like, buy the game for $60, you know, because I guess there was, like, a a bit of an online campaign petitioning for a sequel to Days Gone because apparently a sequel to Days Gone was canceled. And, uh, you know, this is in the wake of a leak of news that apparently Sony is remaking The Last of Us 1. Yeah. Which sounds incredibly stupid to me. But um, regardless of that, I, I don't think that means it takes the place of a Days Gone sequel. Like They they, they were probably going to cancel that anyway based on the reception of Days Gone, which was lukewarm right. at best. So whatever. Yeah, the guy who an made expensive the game, game that had lukewarm reception didn't sell that great. Right. Like, you, you can't expect a sequel. Yeah, just because. Like, I don't know. Like... Obviously, lots of good games don't get sequels, and it sucks, but, like, I don't know if this is one of them. I mean, my first impressions of it is that uh, they really wanted the Walking Dead license, and they didn't get it. Yep. That's my first impression. Uh, there's a lot of bike mechanic stuff, which is cool, actually, and but you play as, like, a generic biker man. Like, he doesn't look very distinctive to me. He actually looks like like when you play GTA 4. Like, the Lost expansion, and you go fight, like, the other biker gangs, and there's, like, maybe, like, three or four models for, like, enemy biker gangs, or three or four models for, like, your biker gang members, but they don't look distinct enough. Like, that's what your main character is in this game. He's just, like, biker man archetype-looking dude who looks a, a tad like James Franco a little bit. I don't know if they did mocap or who the voice actor is, but it's not James Franco. It's... I don't know. I just... Uh, shooting zombies is fun. I'll, I'll say that. And I'm playing it because it's free. But, like... Uh, I don't know. It's 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 nothing that probably deserved a sequel just outright, as as far as I'm concerned at the moment. Mm-hmm. Anywho. Yeah, I, it, it's. I would expect. I mean, it's it's kind of like weird, but I would expect Sony to remake The Last of Us. I mean, like. People are gonna fucking buy it, dog. It's a big money maker. I could see why they would want to do it right it's one of those yeah, things I feel like, yeah i feel like that whole story is kind of overblown too like i remember like jason schreier's one who leaked all that information yeah. um he talked about like people kind of took from that that sony wasn't like interested in like taking risks on titles anymore which is like not the case considering uh returnal is coming out in days from now um which is literally a, a roguelike game being made like a triple A fashion. Yeah, I mean. So like, 
so that, that that's just that's just not true, dog. They literally let Housemark, a studio that's only made like really tiny indie games up to this point, make this full blown like huge, like large scale game in their style. So the Sony isn't shying away from that anytime soon. Well, that's good. I was kind of worried about it because it seemed like you know they were shifting their focus to only make their biggest games. But, I mean, that would kind of make sense to a degree. They're trying to get a library of titles for their new fucking console. They need a reason for people to buy a PS5. Um, So it makes sense that they would maybe early on focus on, like, let's get the new Naughty Dog game, whatever that is. Let's get a new Spider-Man. Let's get a new God of War. You know, all these things, you know. Kind of just makes sense. <laughs> and, and, and you know, Days Gone 2 would not, <laughs> would not, would not sell PS5s. I don't, I don't think. No. <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. It's... it's, it's... I, my best endorsement of it is that it is better than Resident Evil 6. The other zombie game I'm playing right now. Yeah, dude. But is that saying uh, much? Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so, I don't know. After much thought, uh, this is the worst one. For sure. Um, of any Resident Evil. And I think the entire reason I'm going to say that is because of how long it is. If you want to beat all four campaigns, that game's really long. The chapters in that game aren't yeah. that short for co-op chapters. Like I, I feel like they should have took a, more inspiration from five. On that note, five's chapters were pretty brief, and they were broken up too. So, like, you know, there was like five dash one, five dash two, five dash three kind of shit, and it it felt more natural, and and it felt like you could upgrade your stuff more frequently. Uh, the Resident Evil Six campaigns are each broken up into five chapters which all feel like they should be divided further because there's several moments of gameplay broken up there. But unfortunately, they are not. And it's just, it's, it's you know, a bad game being a bad game for five hours and then you're done with it is one thing, but a bad game being a bad game for, like, 30 hours is a completely worse experience. <laughs> Even if, like, I, I would say mechanically this is a better game than, like, you know, some things in the franchise, you know, like, it's probably better than Resident Evil Survivor, I guess, but that game's also extremely short. So, what is worse? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> I don't know, like... Resident Evil 6 has this, like, like you were talking about, Resident Evil 6 has this unique problem of being bad and also terribly long. Yeah, it's like it's like the it's, difference between ripping off a Band-Aid or just doing it at a, at a snail's pace. 
<laughs> like, like the difference between like being put in a crusher besides in, like being starved. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'd re- I'd take the crusher. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Any day. And and this is shame. It's tragic in a way because like uh, I like how that game controls. Um, yeah, controls great actually. I just feel like with better scenarios and more interesting like stuff for the players to do, it would have been way better. But unfortunately, eh. It doesn't help that it, it's like probably the worst story they ever tried to do. Uh, Resident Evil by way of Michael Bay is not necessarily what I'm after. I, I like it. I like it being cheesy. I do. Yeah. But I prefer it being the horror brand of cheesy. You know, like the B movie. Right. Like a, like a great horror B movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't like it being like. Uh, a bad uh, <laughs> action movie that you got out of a red box for a dollar rental uh, cheesy I, it's it's um, it's it's pretty ridiculous mm-hmm. anyway fuck that shit have you played anything else done anything else I mean not really that's about all I've had time for okay uh, I've, I've, been, I've been doing a big worky in between being sick a couple times. So you doing any better, by uh, the way? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm doing I'm doing pretty much fine now. I mean, I feel fine at least. That's good. A little tired, and then getting over being sick just kind of makes you exhausted. But I don't know, I'm good. It didn't last a very long time, so it's not the COVID. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's I haven't gotten vaccinated yet. Shit. Get on that, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying, man. It's, it's where I'm at right now. It's kind of hard. Mm. I had a couple of people, a couple of my coworkers are driving out to Cleveland to get vaccinated because I can't find one here. Fuck, dude. Yeah, yeah I, I assume busier right cities are probably harder. Um, without dosing you on the internet, but uh. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. Area I live in. Yeah, I live near Cleveland. Right. And uh. Okay. Yeah, just to, just to show you how hard it is here, people are going to Cleveland, a bigger city. Right. Right. I was and like wild. I, I, I think I just got lucky. Uh, and well, I mean, well, sort of, because uh, I got the Johnson and Johnson one, uh, which is a one dose one time thing. But then like literally like three or four days after I got it, uh, they took the Johnson and Johnson vaccine off the market because uh, of complications with certain people and like one death. Actually, um, those are all women and those are all blood clot issues. I don't necessarily, I mean, like I, I assume like, you know, from what they were saying, 99% of the populace is completely fine. But yeah, like, yeah. uh, I just found that strange. So like, I probably wouldn't have got vaccinated if I didn't get the Johnson and Johnson one. Cause those were the openings that I found. I was having trouble finding any other openings, but I found a Walgreens that had Johnson and Johnson. So I was like, yeah, and jumped on that. Right. And I'm, I'm glad I did because there's a whole lot less vaccines to go around now. Uh, until yeah, they, a whole chunk until they figure out the problems with Johnson and Johnson and put it back, um, which I assume they will do, but not sure. 
yeah, I'm just, just hoping to get it soon. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully I'll get lucky. Hope so, man. Just since like I, I I'm like I'm considered an essential worker, which I guess like helps my chances. But it's it's so scarce in my area right now that like I think like the last one I got offered was like thirty something miles away. Might have to take a road trip to get vaccinated. I might have to. It might get to that point I might have to drive out to Cleveland or something. Yeah. Just to get it done. Hopefully it's a, hopefully like won't be too bad. Well, we'll see though. Good luck, man. So in the future. Yeah. So I've been reading a comic series, uh, and I've been reading it in anticipation of our episode from a couple weeks from now, because I think I have an interesting take uh, that I don't see very often. Um, not next week, but the week following that, we'll be taking a look at Zack Snyder's fucking Justice League. Yep, sure uh, will. All four hours of it. Which, uh, yeah, I mean, we're going to be a little late to the party on that one. But, I mean, I've, I've already talked about it a bit. Uh, we're going to add it into the Batman rankings. But uh, it's been on my mind a bit because, uh, you know, it's interesting how, you know, Snyder isn't, you know, good. <laughs> but he does have a different view of superheroes than something like the MCU which is unique and if he was a better filmmaker and could explore it to a better degree it would be really interesting uh, Marvel has always kind of been as a company all about giving their heroes relatable characteristics and making them appear very human you know Spider-Man isn't just a superhero taking out the vulture from robbing a bank he also you know has is in debt and has to pay the rent and has to <laughs> deal with his asshole boss and has to yeah like help everybody his else sick aunt you know like he has real problems and that extends to like everyone in marvel like iron man is like suffers from alcoholism and you know <laughs> just like everybody has some problem and DC has usually historically not been like that. And the, the way Snyder approaches things, he doesn't approach these characters as relatable human beings, the superheroes. He approaches them like they are gods. And that's yep. kind of been on my mind, and it led me to revisit a series that I've read before, uh, but I wanted to go deeper into it this time. Uh because I haven't read it in uh, several years, uh, and that is Miracle Man, which is an Alan Moore comic that came out before Watchmen, his more popular uh, deconstruction of superheroes and stuff. But this is still a huge deconstruction of superhero concepts by Alan Moore. Uh, it's great. And it is a great take on presenting a superhero as a god, as opposed to a relatable human. But also presenting them as kind of scary because of that. Like, like if Superman really existed, how fucked would that be? And it's made me really think, and made me really connect the dots on how Zack Snyder 
when he made Man of Steel and how everybody was like, this sucks as a Superman movie because it doesn't represent Superman are right because really the approach that Zack Snyder is taking is making a Miracle Man movie instead of a Superman movie. There's lots of things in Man of Steel that uh, remind me of Miracle Man, and I know that Zack Snyder had to have read Miracle Man because he's a big mark for Alan Moore. He made Watchmen uh, and missed the point of a lot of things, but still, uh, not to say he wouldn't miss the point (laughs) of, of Miracle Man if he made a Miracle Man movie, but yeah, it's like, you know, you're presenting the character as a god. You're presenting the character as something that changes the world forever. And uh, you have massive, massive, massive collateral damage at the end of that movie, which is also the case for Miracle Man. Uh, However, it's presented in a way more violent way. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. I'll, I'll probably have more to say in relation to these two things when we actually talk about the Snyder Cut in two weeks. Because I want to finish the story before I fully develop my take here. <laughs> but I right. think there's something to it. Because he certainly wants to not have the MCU take on superheroes. He wants to have his own and he presents all the Justice League characters more like gods than humans. But Zack Snyder is not good at doing that. Uh, He's, you know, like, make no mistake, the Snyder Cut, while it is an improvement on the Whedon Cut, it does have its issues. Am I still here? Yep, you're still here. Okay, good. My Sorry, computer I was just listening fucked to up for a second. Oh, okay, okay. We're fine. So, Spooky dude, technology sucks. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, I, I wanted to read a story that went at that concept intelligently and not in a Zack Snyder slow-mo context. Um, so I've been reading Miracle Man. Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I, I am very excited for the inevitable disappointment that uh, the story ends and then a new writer takes over and then it's good and then the story doesn't end and the story hasn't ended in like 20 years or 30 years. Uh, very excited for that. Uh, Miracle Man has a fucking insane history. I don't want to get into it because I'll talk about it for 20 minutes if I had to describe it. Maybe I'll do that a couple weeks from now because <laughs> uh, I do think it's fascinating. But um, not right now. Maybe we'll save that for the Snyder Cut episode because I think I'm going to be making more comparisons. Yeah, yeah, we should. I think there's definitely more comparisons between it and Man of Steel and maybe Batman v Superman, but like... I don't know. The Snyder Cut's four hours long. I'm sure I'll see some stuff that... <laughs> like, Snyder's not a wholly original person. I'll say that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, it'll be interesting. Uh, I'm definitely excited to hear that take. Um, I mean, I, I don't... Knowing what I know about Miracle Man, I yeah. 
inclined to agree with you, but I've never fully read it myself. Yo, it's fucking weird. Yeah. Uh, but it's good. I think I read, like, the first couple issues or whatever. You gave it to me forever ago. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's it's hard to really describe what it is, but it's it's basically... It's more like a fucked up Shazam than a fucked up Superman, but, like, then it's kind of just, like, you know, it doesn't matter what his origins are or what his powers are. It's kind of just, like, if superhumans were real, it would be fucked up. And that's, like, the, <laughs> the main crux of the story. Uh, so it doesn't, like, really matter. He could be just, uh, just as much Superman as... Shazam slash Captain Marvel. Mm-hmm. I, I guess in the same sense that like you read Watchmen and like Rorschach is not like exactly like Batman, but he kind of like fills that same like role for that story. He's like the powerless vigilante detective person. But like if that was real, and it wasn't Batman, that person would be probably pretty fucked up and weird. And that's Rorschach. <laughs> like, that's kind of the beauty of Watchmen, is that, like he makes them, uh, you know, very psychologically complex. Yeah. And, you know, in making the these unreal concepts real, it creates some, like kind of fucked up results which I enjoy a lot but anyway Hell yeah. speaking of uh, fucked up results um, you want to talk about fishy 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 in the sea yeah let's let's talk about this <laughs> weird ass movie now Ponyo if you think about it is a lot like Miracle Man no I'm just kidding I'm not going to find it that's not true. Podio, if you think about it, it's a lot like Taken. <laughs> yeah, in the sense that both have the plot of Liam Neeson wanting his daughter back or something. Both of these nuts. Okay, well. Is he trying to get his wife or his daughter in Taken? I thought it was his daughter. Maybe it's his wife it might have been Taken both 2. At some point. Maybe it's both in Taken 2. Who gets Taken in each Taken movie? Hold on, hold on. <laughs> I, I think I think we should... Uh, hold on. Should, should we know this? Is it integral information? Let's just, let's just find out. Okay. I'm, 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 looking, I'm looking it up. Okay. Oh my god, please. My phone's acting weird. Oh man, Josby, you're gonna make me look it up? No, dude, I got it. We're on it. Who gets... Yeah, it's his daughter. Taken in... Taken. (laughs) It's his daughter. Her name's Kim. Alright. Taken 2... Might be... His ex-wife... But also maybe himself, he gets taken. No, he gets taken. Yeah, but then he like, you know, yeah. 
And then Taken 3 sounds like his ex-wife is killed and he's framed for the murder. So it's it's more like the title is him evading being taken by the police and government because uh, they suspect him for the murder because he was framed for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it sounds boring. Typical sequel escalation there. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> What's the fucking, like, uh, the Olympus Has Fallen one? Wait. You, Wait, say that again? Do you know what I'm talking about here? There's Olympus Has Fallen, which is the that movie with, like, people attacking the White House. And then there's right. London Has Fallen, which is the sequel. And then the third one is called, uh, Angel Has Fallen. <laughs> which is about the character of Angel being framed for a crime and being hunted by the government. Which So it's taken three, basically, from what I'm looking at here. I don't know. That's what it reminded me of. And, yeah, I was right. That sucks. Anyway, Ponyo is a movie about um, Taken 4 or Taken 0. Liam Neeson yeah. is like a wizard merman person I don't know no, no, no. what his deal is really I guess it would be like maybe closer to maybe this is taken five it's very Listen. advanced it's so advanced that he now is an ocean being right and he said that he was once human yeah right mm-hmm. so like imagine like he spends his whole life with like his daughter getting taken, and his ex-wife get taken, and then he gets taken. Yeah. And then, like, he finds a way to become, like, a sea god. Uh-huh. Logically, yes. That would happen. That would be the next step. Yeah, yes. just, it just happens. Uh-huh. You know, no biggie. <laughs> right? And, uh... And then, again, his daughter was taken. Yeah, but this time it's, like, his fish daughter. Like, and he has, like, uh, 200 of them. Um, well, yeah, because he's a fish. Oh, yeah, right, sure. Yes, logically, yes. Uh-huh. Right. We wouldn't be making these jokes if it wasn't Liam Neeson. That's all I want to say. It should have been anyone but. I'm not saying right. he does a bad job. He does a fine job. Because he does a fine job. But you're putting him in a role where he's trying to get his daughter back, and it makes me laugh. <laughs> like... In a similar way to when Christian Bale voiced Howl and did the Batman voice for a second when he was really edgy and turning into a beast monster. And he just, like, all of a sudden went, like, you know, where's the trigger? Not not literally, but, like, it was it was his Batman voice. Anyway. Um, Ponyo is the tenth film from Hayao Miyazaki. It was released in 2008 mm-hmm. in Japan. English dub was produced by Walt Disney and released in 2009. Uh, And I think this is the first time... Like, I remember when this movie was coming out because they were showing trailers for it all the time. Like, this got a wider American release than any Studio Ghibli film has ever received. Uh, Then and since, uh, we can make a comparison here. Ponyo opened in 927 theaters in America the second most at that time. I think the Wind Rises released more, but 
At that time, the second most was Princess Mononoke, which opened in 38 theaters. So, like, you know, nearly 900 more theaters got this movie. It was basically a wide release. Um, Which I think is kind of a shame because, uh, you know, I I feel like many people were uh, tricked and trapped by this movie because, like, it isn't the best Miyazaki movie. I don't think it's bad, but it's not the best Miyazaki movie. But I could see a lot of people hearing... Over the course of their life, Miyazaki's fantastic, Miyazaki's great, Miyazaki's a master, and then all of a sudden he has a new movie coming out and has a wider release than ever before, so it's more likely for you to go see it in a theater. So I feel like a lot of people probably went to go see it and were like let down by it, because, you know, it isn't Princess Mononoke, it isn't Spirited Away, it's it's maybe not even Porco Rosso, uh, it's... it's um decidedly more of a children's film than any of his other films. Uh, And it's just not as good, but it's very pretty. Oh, it's gorgeous. This is, this movie is fucking beautiful. The animation alone and the design alone might make me say this is better than Howl's Moving Castle, which is currently at the bottom of our list. Um, and also I think genuinely it's just more interesting still than Howl's Moving Castle. Like, I, I don't hate the characters in it necessarily. I just feel like the movie is just, just kind of a thing and not like anything fantastic. Right. Well, it's, it's a really weird story and, um. I, I mean, it's I know, like, it's pretty, like... I mean, it's The Little Mermaid, basically, but, like, told yeah. in a very strange way. And with children instead of, you know, like... ostensibly adults, like, you know, in the Disney Little Mermaid, I suppose. Right. Yeah, 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 definitely. Um... Yeah, I don't know, man. It just feels like kind of bare bones. Sort of one note. Um, one thing I will say is, once again, like the, the voice, I think the voice acting in this film is top-notch still. Yeah, it's good. Particularly love Lisa. She's the goat. Yeah, I think that's my favorite She's character. Great. Oh, easy. Actually, that's easy. She's great, dude. yeah. Voiced by Tina Fey, actually. Mm-hmm. She killed it. Yeah, she killed she it. She did a great job. The character's a lot of fun. She's great. Um, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> it, it's it's kind of weird because, like, when we were kind of talking about it leading up to this, like, it's it's hard to have a lot to say. Yeah, I, I guess about this um, film because yeah, I feel like being too critical of it is mean because. Clearly, he didn't mean this to be taken by the same audience as usual for his movies. Um, but I think that's kind of a disappointment, too. Is like Miyazaki does that thing where, like, yeah, categorically he makes children's films. However, they're kind of of the same quality of, like, a Pixar movie would be in my mind where like, you know, yeah, sure. 
that's a kids movie, but for the most part, adults can easily enjoy it just as much. It isn't like, you know, it's not like written down to be for children. It's more like written up to be for adults as well. And I've felt that way about a lot of his movies. And then some of his movies even transcend that and just are just, you know, not children's movies at all. Like Princess Mononoke. Like there's war and blood <laughs> and death and destruction in that movie. And I wouldn't necessarily recommend it for like young, young kids. But Ponyo right. is, is like a fucking like 10 year old movie for 10 year olds. I, I don't know. Um, there's nothing wrong with making that at all, but for someone that can just easily deliver smash hit after smash hit that just works on multiple levels for multiple age groups, it's kind of a disappointment to me. Yeah. I'd agree with that. The film, like, legitimately doesn't get interesting to me until like an hour and 15 minutes in um, when the whole town's flooded. Yeah. Get everybody's going around. I, I think that's like the most fun the film has. The massive flood killing millions. Yeah, dude. But then they're all on boats. <laughs> I, I, obviously millions don't actually die, but I found it funny that like, you know, P- Ponyo is responsible for the death of millions, Justin. Mm-hmm. In a realistic scenario. <laughs> Ponyo floods the earth. Wipes out humanity. Oops. Ponyo, 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 fishy in the sea. <laughs> Something I was thinking about, quick aside, in the very beginning of the film, when Liam Neeson... Uh-huh. Um, when he like shines the flashlight at that one fish that's coming at his little abode. Like my very first impression was that he was gonna pull out a gun. <laughs> There's lots of good moments in this movie that work entirely out of context. I think my favorite is when um early on, uh he comes looking for Ponyo and he's like outside of our our main family's house. And he just has that, like, weird, like, water pump device on his back where he's just, like, squirting yeah, water just, so like, he can walk places. <laughs> and he just looks like a fucking, like, insane person. And, like, the mom, and then Lisa, like, is, like, yeah. realistically uh, upset and weirded out by this man and is, like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's just kind of great that, like... They approach it. She says, like, we don't like people spraying pesticides around here. He's like, this is a pesticide I need to keep the the ground wet so it'll dry out. She's like, whatever, weirdo, bye. God, (laughs) hope he's not around later. It's like, (laughs) it's great. Uh, I don't know. How do you describe the plot of this movie? I mean, it's pretty basic. I mean, you have your your Little Mermaid plot, right? We're going to put Ponyo to fish. Goes up to the shore. Gets picked up by her kid here, and then uh, Ponyo realizes that she wants to be human. Yeah, and she just wills herself and live with Sosuke to have our child. Yeah, Ponyo loves Sosuke. Yeah, you'll hear that throughout the movie. 
Right. And then, then Ponyo gets gets to become a human. Well, Ponyo just does it. Does like, it I, literally I don't know. causes a fucking... It's like, you know, in The Little Mermaid, there's a, a lot of to-do about, you know, her becoming human. Like, she has to make, like, a deal with Ursula and all that shit. But, uh, I don't know. Ponyo's just like, I want to be a human, therefore, boink. I have legs and arms. I just decided to do that. And, like, I don't know. Like, there's... She's, like, a magical being, but they don't ever, like, really, like... I mean, I guess it's because, like, her mom is, like, a literal god or goddess. Uh, yeah. It's, like, a, a notion goddess. Yeah. yeah. Which just makes me question everything even further, because, like, she is a giant, weird water woman, her mom, that Liam Neeson at some point had sex with, and I don't know how he did it. Or what led to that happening, or what led to him being not human anymore? These are questions the movie isn't interested in. Uh, the, uh, but I would have appreciated more lore. But obviously, they're not going to do that because the movie's about you know Ponyo going Ponyo, and that's what the movie's about. Um, <laughs> like that's it. <laughs> it's supposed to just be like cutesy. There's there's not even like very many moments of like hardship or worry in this movie like other Miyazaki movies would have. No, even like like probably the the, the hardest part for them is like when the boat gets stuck because Ponyo falls asleep or whatever. Yeah, and he just shrugs it off. Yeah, like they're just like this tunnel is creepy, and then they go through the tunnel and then everything's fine. Uh, far cry from the stressful situations of something like Spirited Away. Uh, just massive, or even Totoro, massive man. childhood trauma. Yeah, even Totoro, which is probably like you know, I think the movie that you'd compare this the most to. Yeah, because Totoro is also like in the same vein, straight up like full kids movie. Yeah, but I think Totoro more successfully, uh, just like doesn't lose its lose its way in being a kids movie. And is only a kids movie in that regard. Like I, I think it works, right? Because there are mature elements to that movie, and there are ways to approach it as not just a, you know, movie for five year olds. Um, and also, Totoro is way more interesting than this fish stuff. I gotta say, um, mm -hmm. and he's like a better character. And while there is weird stuff that doesn't get explained in Totoro, I mean, like, I, I think my brain is accepts it a little easier because they just say, ah, it's spirit world shit. So, like, that kind of gives you a free pass to, like, do whatever. That's why Cat Bus is a thing that is allowed to exist in Totoro. But here, right. it's like, I don't know, um, it's fish, gods, and, like, magic, and, like, you know... Just it it's not like a huge deal. I'm not trying to say that, but it is a lot more bizarre and not in a fun way. Really. At least to me. Um Ponyo's weird looking and I don't like it. I don't think I like Ponyo's design. Yeah, it's kinda creepy. It's Ponyo is more creepy than cute. And I think that's, like, the biggest fault of this movie as a whole. Because if you compare it to Totoro, I don't think Totoro is creepy. 
I just don't. He's like a big friendly giant that helps the kids. Um, Ponyo appears creepy to me, like for most of the movie. Right. Especially like while Ponyo's human, and like she goes to like do some kind of magic or stuff. She gets like the chicken legs and feet. Yeah. That's just weird. Yeah. That's just really weird. Uh huh. Yeah, there's some like there's some there's some relatable content in this movie though. Like right at the beginning, um, when uh when Sosuke goes to his little school there, um, all of like the his classmates walk up. Nor girl's like, "What are you doing?" And Sosuke's like, "I'm busy." And she's like, "You're not busy. You're five. I'm like, <laughs> "God, wish that were me." <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, I actually liked all the real-world stuff in this movie. I was kind of more invested in it than the uh, crazy magic shenanigans. Like, uh, you know, the relationship between Lisa and her husband is strained because he's constantly working out at sea at bad hours, and that's caused her to be, like, upset at her husband. And, like, that's as far as that plot point goes, but it was more interesting to me. And just, like, the, mm-hmm. the setup of your characters were, like, a Lisa works at, like, an old folks' home, and it's right next to Sosuke's school. And so, you know, Sosuke knows the old people that Lisa takes care of, and we get their characterizations. Their reaction to the weird stuff late in the movie is pretty fun, actually. The old people were great, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, they're fantastic. Um I, I wish there was uh, more of that, actually, because, I don't know, I just wasn't feeling the uh, fishy-fishy-of-the-sea nonsense. Although, I do like the scene where Ponyo floods uh, to Earth, basically, and is running on those fish, and, and the music yeah, I think is Ponyo's great. a selfish motherfucker, right? Uh, yeah. I mean, it's because it's, she just, it's like, like she, childlike, you know? Like, and she torches an entire fucking town and submerges <laughs> it just to hang out with Sosuke, dude. It's not presented that way, but it certainly looks catastrophic. Um, like, dude, I'm not, I'd like, I'm gonna be honest, Genhart, I like you a lot, but I'm not gonna flood a whole city to hang out with you. That seems a little fucked up. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, that's fine, I guess. Guess you're not really my friend, really. I guess if you wouldn't willingly drown millions and create Waterworld starring Kevin Costner just to hang out with me, that's bullshit. Yeah, I don't know. It was fucking. This movie's fucking weird, man. I'm just looking at some shit from it right now. Like, the fucking, the weird, like, little fish things that the dude commands, they're like blobs. They look fucking weird as hell. I like them, though. They're cool. I Liam Neeson looks like he hasn't slept in fucking no, 16 years. No, his design is interesting. Um, he does look like a weird water wizard man, so his design works for that. I don't like Ponyos because I, I think they thought it looks cute, but I just think it looks creepy. And, uh... I don't know. The Water Goddess is fine, I guess, but I don't think it's, like, a very inspired design. It's just, like, you know, big glowing lady for the goddess. Like, alright, I mean, I get it. It's fine. So, this movie came about 
because uh, producer Toshio Suzuki told Miyazaki he should make a children's film for his next project. So he did. I can't mm-hmm. say he didn't. No, he definitely <laughs> did. There's a little bit of inspiration from Hans Christian Andersen's The Little Mermaid, as you can clearly tell. However, um, Miyazaki remembered taking issue with that story as a child because its protagonist was stated to not have a human soul. So he kind of, like, I guess, approaches that here differently. Um, and, and, and I guess tries to make Ponyo more human because, you know, she just chooses to be, you know, right. the little mermaid has to like, what is it? It's like give up her voice to get the human soul or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Right. So Miyazaki also took inspiration from the works of uh, Natsume Soseki, which uh, I looked into that a, a bit, and uh, I'm not really sure of the connection without reading it. It seems like they're uh, a little more mature than anything that's going on in Ponyo. But anyway, uh, and Miyazaki stayed at a seaside town, Tomonura, uh, for inspiration for the setting. The setting looks great. I love this town and its design. He's always been good. Ghibli films have always been good at designing great locales for their movies to take place in. You know, I, I'm thinking like, you know, the bathhouse in Spirited Away, the town in Kiki's, and, and this little seaside town is great as well. So, mm-hmm. while visiting the Tate Britain Art Museum in London, Miyazaki became transfixed by the painting Ophelia by Sir John Everett Millay, or Millay's. I think I think it's just Millay. Uh, you've probably seen Ophelia before. It's the uh, the woman in the lake with her hands up, and uh, it's a very famous painting. Uh, so the level in detail in the painting really struck Miyazaki, and it prompted him to approach his next film differently. Uh, here's a quote from him. I thought, my work is shoddy compared to those artists. I was just astonished. At that point, it became clear to me our animation style could not go on as before. So to this end, Miyazaki gave the role of animation supervisor to Katsuya Kondo. Now, Kondo had uh, previously worked with Miyazaki on like character design work on Kiki's Delivery Service, and he worked on key animation for several of Miyazaki's movies. But it was Miyazaki's short film called Looking for a House, uh, which Kondo served as animation director for. That was the real reason Kondo got this role for Ponyo. Uh, Looking for a House is not available to watch. It's at the fucking Ghibli Museum, uh, and that's the only way you can watch it, which is a shame. Uh, It's the same with... uh, uh, the Kitten Bus movie, which is a, a, a sequel, the short film to Totoro, uh, just can't watch it anywhere except the Ghibli Museum. <laughs> uh, so that movie used mostly hand-drawn animation, utilizing solid and simple lines. Kondo thought this technique would be interesting if applied to an entire feature film, showcasing the advantages, strengths, and fluid movement of hand-drawn animation. 
So that's what they did. Now, while Studio Ghibli has had a CGI animation section since Princess Mononoke, that wing of the studio was completely shut down for Ponyo's production. And that's the best part about this movie, is that it's completely hand-drawn, and it is incredible. It's, It's an achievement. Particularly with, like, the amount of stuff moving on screen at any given time. Mm-hmm. there's It's just incredible what they were able to accomplish. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, you know, I'm thinking back to, like, you know, we talked about Howl's Moving Castle. Uh, the Moving Castle itself was completely CG because asking animators to animate this fucking monstrosity clusterfuck castle would be crazy. Mm -hmm. But you look at this movie and you look at the segment where like Ponyo rides a million fish rising out of the ocean to catch up to Sasuke while they play like, you know, music that kind of sounds like ride, ride of the Valkyries, but isn't ride of the Valkyries. The music in this movie is really good too. Um, Oh yeah, it is. You know, you just look at that, and it's like, it's insane how much time had to be taken to animate that shit. It's absolutely mind-boggling. Like... <laughs> yeah, just the amount of detail, like, the, the fluid motion that all takes place in this film. Like, dude, it's... It's impressive. Yeah, this is like actually one of the best animated films of all time. In in terms of it being animated, like yeah. <laughs> I don't mean like the genre, if you will. Although I don't like calling it a genre of animation. I don't mean like it's the best movie because it isn't. I I don't like this movie very much actually. But um, in terms of the art of animation is pretty fantastic. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like the, you know, I wish it was a better movie to go along with that. So that sucks, but what can you do? Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, like, Talking about like level of detail and stuff like that, like fluid motion. I think like we're gonna talk more about it next week. But the wind rises like kind of takes that as well. I think applies it in like much more interesting way because like for the most part that movie takes place in a much more realistic setting. Yeah, I think there is CGI in the wind rises uh, for stuff like planes and things, but that makes sense (laughs) because you know the more mechanical something looks, the harder it is to. Animate it in 2D, I think. The more moving parts something has. But here, like, even, like, when it, like, you know, like, I... In the past, uh, when, you know, let's say it's the 60s or something, and you got, like, cheaper kids' TV shows, cartoons, how do you animate a ship going across the ocean? you probably just draw a couple frames and then just, like, drag the ship across the frame, like, without having to actually animate it sailing across, like, the frame. You just drag the ship 
you know? This is actually what they did. Mm-hmm. But in Ponyo, they actually animate it fully with it dipping in and out of the waves and, like, God, I don't know how they did it. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it is very impressive. I love, um... Going into a little bit more detail here, I love the, the design of, like, the Ponyo's mom, the fucking the, the weird sea goddess or whatever. Oh, I don't know. I kind of um, just found it was just like, all right, I don't know. I, I didn't think there was she anything. She has so many, like, moving parts. Yeah, that aspect of it is cool. I think the design is kind of basic to me in terms of, like, making a goddess character but the moving parts is is intriguing yeah yeah it's like very very intriguing like from an animation standpoint that's the biggest thing this movie has going for it is like it's like it is like top tier animation like you were saying yeah so definitely the best it's got I don't know. I feel like I've been ragging on it too much. I don't want to rag on it that much. I still think it's good. I just wouldn't say it's like my favorite of any of his stuff. No, not even close. I just it, it's I, like I said. It's, it, I don't think its plot is like deep or varied enough. It's very one note, straightforward. Yeah, it's really simple. Um, it's just like the the fish loves and, the boy. Uh, not even in a romantic way. I just think it's like in a friendship way. But maybe in a romantic way, but because like the, the way that they talk about it, but like I don't know, they're like eight, so like I I don't know what the fuck. But anyway, um, so then she just decides to be human, and then comes to the surface, and then dad wants her back, but then talks to mom, and mom's like, ah, let him figure it out. If she wants to be a human, then she'll be a human. And then she does. And then that's it. Like, like, there's not even... There's not even any, like... Anything... Even resembling any... Like... I'm trying to think of the right word. There's no problems that the characters really encounter. Yeah. Like, maybe briefly, because, like, you know, Lisa goes to help the old people and leaves them alone, and and then it's flooded and they need to get on the boat. But, like, you know, just because Ponyo's magic, like, any problem they have is presented with a solution immediately. Because Ponyo's just like, ah, magic, and makes the toy boat become a real boat. And then they just go on the boat. Yeah. It's, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of narratively weak because of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't never feel like at any point the problems are real problems. Like, even, we go back to it, even Totoro, like, towards the end of the movie, there's a real problem happening that needs to be solved. It's solved in a goofy-ass way, and it's solved pretty quickly, but it's a real problem. Well, yeah, and all throughout the movie, their has, mom like, have is, not, really real consequences. Is, is not home. And, and they're right. worried about her, so that's always, like, in the back of your mind throughout the entire thing. Uh, it makes the characters feel real. It makes the world feel more real. It makes the story feel more real. 
in Totoro, despite the fact that it's about, you know, a giant thing. <laughs> and then, yeah, the, the, despite all the wacky stuff that happens in Totoro, that movie feels like a hundred times more grounded than Ponyo does. Yeah. Ponyo literally feels like a wacky fucking fairy tale. Um, Which is probably what he was going for, other, but, you know. Yeah, that's probably what he was going for. I think, like, any other... Uh, I think any other studio handling that concept would have made a much worse film. Yeah, because the at least the the, the grips on reality in this film um, come from how good Studio Ghibli is at animating real people doing real things. Man, to see with the ramen, dude. Yeah, I mean, he's Not always a- been god tier at presenting animated food that looks really good. I understand why. Uh, <laughs> that the parents in Spirited Away uh, turned into ravenous pigs. Because look at that fucking animated too, food, dude. Oh my god. Miyazaki knows what's up. He knows how to draw that food. Right. Hell yeah, dude. I think, oh god, yeah, it's know. probably really too hard to find this tweet now, but I'll try to find it. Uh, oh god, it was like a bunch of fake Miyazaki quotes that were like, funny as shit and one of them was like people always tell me that the food looks really good in my movies and I think that is stupid because the food is not real that is 2D food what are you talking about or something like that (laughs) (laughs) just a fake Miyazaki quote so let's talk about this English cast Um, yeah yeah, yeah. let's let's get into let's get into these deets so we got Noah Cyrus as Ponyo Uh, yeah that is Miley Cyrus's sister uh, who also mm-hmm. now has a music career. At least she did. I don't know what's happening now. <laughs> In looking this up, I found uh, some interesting shit about Noah Cyrus that completely escaped my uh, my eyes because, you know, I don't care about Noah Cyrus. I didn't even know she did anything until just now when I, like, looked up stuff about Ponyo. But, uh, so, um... You know, here she's really young before she was famous for anything. I think Ponyo is like the first thing she ever did in the public eye. I mean, probably was going to end up being famous no matter what because she's in the Cyrus family. That just kind of seems to happen at this point. But uh, so recently, last year in the news, uh, if you remember or care, but... I don't blame you if you don't or don't. Uh, there was a Vogue magazine cover with Harry Styles on it, and he was wearing a dress. And, you know, obviously because that's not standard masculine norms, uh, some people uh, bitched about it a bunch. One of those people was a good old conservative ultra bitch Candace Owens. You know her. She sucks. Anyway, um, you could you could tell her that she sucks on Twitter without saying what Noah Cyrus said <laughs> very easily. But Noah Cyrus mm-hmm. chose to call her a, quote, nappy-headed hoe, end quote, and then got <laughs> dragged through the mud really hard for saying a super racist thing. <laughs> right. Jesus Christ, man. Oh, that Ponyo. Ponyo, 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 fishy of the sea. 
So yeah, that's your that's the only thing that I know about Noah Cyrus now. Good job, Noah Cyrus. Uh, speaking of people who are famous yet, I I don't really care about uh, Frankie Jonas is Sosuke from the Jonas Brothers. Um, this was also when he was really young. I think it was on the cusp of them becoming a big thing. And I guess they're still around, but I don't actually know like what, what to what context or to what ends I, <laughs> that they are around. Do they still have hit songs? Do people still like the Jonas Brothers? I, I probably somewhere. I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where, like, you know, it's stuff that I remember from my childhood, but I was too old to care about that stuff oh. even then. That weird. Uh, <laughs> that weird section of nostalgia where it's like, oh, yeah, I remember when people liked that, but I was too old for it. Oh, well. And then we, we said Tina Fey is Lisa. You know Tina Fey. Uh, she's really good in this. She's probably the best character in this. Matt Damon is Koichi, who is Lisa's husband, Sosuke's dad. He's not in the movie a lot, which is strange, because they paid Matt Damon. So they probably paid Matt Damon a lot. A whole lot. But uh, he maybe has like five lines. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he did it for cheap because he was like, oh yeah, I'll be in a Miyazaki movie. That's possible. I know that sometimes he, uh, just so that he can, you know, do something interesting, he'll take like a pay cut, you know, like, I don't think he got paid very much to be in like, you know, something like Dogma, for instance, you know? Right. Anyway, uh, Kate Blanchett is the, uh, goddess of mercy. Grand Mamere, or however you say that. I forget how they actually said it in the movie. Yeah, I forget it, too, honestly. Yeah. I was just like, Fish God Lady. Fish God Lady. And then, obviously, uh, <laughs> Qui-Gon Jinn himself, Liam Neeson, uh, was Fujimoto. Wouldn't be a taken movie without him. Yeah. Uh, and then the three old people. Um, the the mean one is Toki, uh, or like the kind of mean one. I wouldn't say like entirely mean, uh, but kind of like standoffish. Uh, that's Lily Tomlin. Yeah. Uh, and then the other two are Yoshi and Kayo, which are Betty White and Cloris Leachman. Um. Betty White's still alive, somehow. She sounds ancient in this, which was more than ten years ago. Uh, very impressive. <laughs> and uh, Cloris Leachman, who, you know, I, I remember from Young Frankenstein as the creepy old German lady, but uh, mm -hmm. she also was in Castle in the Sky, uh, which we saw recently. She voiced... Uh, Damn it, I forget the character's name. The uh, crazy old pirate lady. Yeah. Yeah. As you may expect. Yeah, she was great. Yeah, she's great in that. Mm -hmm. 
as always, it's a pretty good cast. It's a pretty good assembly of talent. But, uh, you know, I, I don't know. If I had one criticism, I, I would say that, like, I think everybody does a good job. But Liam Neeson, while he does do a good job, I feel like they could have cast somebody that Yeah, it just doesn't better. fit, right? I just don't think his voice fits for that kind of thing. I've always kind of felt yeah. that. Like, even in Star Wars Episode One, or maybe even especially Star Wars Episode One, I don't think he works as, like, a Jedi. I don't know. Oh, that's weird. He, he does work as the gruff, like, you know, I'm a man of a very particular set of skills kind of guy. Like, that's kind of his image now. Yeah, it's his typecast. Right. It started with Ponyo. <laughs> it started with Ponyo? That was the first one? Yeah, dude. Sure. Probably. I don't know. I didn't look into it. I think Taken came expect out expect me to think about Ponyo, dates? Or maybe close to the release of Ponyo. Hold on, I'm looking. I have to go back into my browser here. <laughs> Thankfully, I still have it pulled up. Yeah, it came out. It came out the same year, actually. 2009. In America, 2009. Okay, so he was in two movies in the same year, where the plot was, "I have to get my daughter back." Interesting. Okay. Right. Anywho, Ponyo had a budget of about 31 million dollars. And it grossed over $203 million worldwide. It is the fifth highest grossing anime film of all time. Behind Howl's Moving Castle, Your Name, Spirited Away, and the new Demon Slayer Infinity Train movie. Uh, which, God, it's crazy how much money that fucking thing is making. I didn't even know Demon Slayer was yeah. a thing until that, like, I heard that that was the highest grossing shit. Yeah, it's, it's crazy popular. It's about to release in the U.S. here soon. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to rake in more money. Definitely. Critical reception Barely. was very positive. 91% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, I think that's just a symptom of how Rotten Tomatoes works because like I'm assuming a lot of the reviews were like three out of four stars or like two and yeah, a half and they're like it's a good kids movie and then, like they move on yeah I would say this I like you know if I was to give a review if I was a reviewer person mine would be a positive not a negative although like you know I just think when comparing it to the rest of his stuff it's interesting that this has a 91, but, like, Lupin doesn't have as high a rating, for instance, or something like that. You know, because I definitely think this is one of his worst movies. This is a movie that I would give, like, a 7 out of 10 to, not a 11 out of 10 to, much like Howl's Moving Castle. Um, and, and, and really, here, most of the points are given... Because of that animation, I would say. And I think that was, like, the key thing that people liked about it. But anyway, uh, one person that would disagree with my take is Roger Ebert, who, uh, championing the works of Miyazaki for years up to that point, gave the film four out of four stars and said, quote, 
There is a word to describe Ponyo, and that word is magical. This poetic, visually breathtaking work by the greatest of all animators has such deep charm that adults and children will both be touched. It's wonderful and never even seems to try. It unfolds fantastically, end quote. I don't know. Um, it's weird that he liked this one that much, because I have very similar gripes with it as I did with Howl's Moving Castle, which was one that he did not like very much. Um, yeah. I actually... I don't know. Everybody's wrong sometimes. Roger Ebers. He's wrong, been wrong, wrong a lot. lot. <laughs> yeah. I think we've liked many movies that this man has hated. Because we, uh, oh, well, sure. we watched all the Friday the 13th movies, and he said every single one was fucking garbage. And, and immoral. He's wrong. And, and There's a couple that aren't. There's a lot that aren't. <laughs> There's really a lot that aren't. But I had fun watching them, I'm not going to lie. Uh, now, granted, Ponyo, while I've bitched about it most of this time, is is probably better than most of them. Oh, significantly. <laughs> <laughs> if if we had the tier list still going of uh, all everything we've watched up to this point. But the, the lowest Miyazaki film is probably a low B or a high B. Probably actually like a high V tier. Yeah, probably. Like that's kind of the the magic of this guy. Like he he has never made a terrible movie or even a not that great movie. He's I mean like I don't know. I mean I guess this is the closest or Howl's Moon yeah. Castle, which I guess should be the next thing we should talk about here. Where does it go in our ranking? I am down to put it at the bottom. Um, I think there's a couple things that Hal has going for it more than Ponyo. Um, in that I like, despite Ponyo being absolutely gorgeous, I like the visual style of Hal's better. And I think, at the very least, a lot of the characters are much more interesting. Or Ponyo, like, isn't my problem with it. It's very one-note and straightforward. I think I could see that. If there was an argument for Ponyo above Howl's Moving Castle, it would be just the animation, and I probably wouldn't have another argument. Like, Calcifer's just, like, better than any character in Ponyo. That's very true, and therefore I agree, and therefore <laughs> Ponyo is at the <laughs> bottom. Which is fine. Something has to be. I mean, I would say, like, you know, like, what's Ponyo out of 10? Like a 7? Yeah, like a 7.5. And then, like, Howl's Moving Castle is like a 7. And then, like, you go up yeah. to Porco Rosso would be next, and, like, what's that? Like an 8? Yeah. And then, then next is Nausicaa. What would Nausicaa be? Like an 8 as well. And then you go to Castle of Cagliostro. That's a 9. Castle in the Sky. Also a 9. Right. So. And then the rest are 10s. It's tens. still pretty good. Yeah, I, I would say the rest are 10s. T- Totoro, Kiki's, Spirited Away, Mononoke. Yeah, all 10s. Yeah. So it's still pretty good. It's damn good. So we have one left. And the wind rises. Yep, we're gonna cap it off 
with which, in my opinion, the I've been hyping it up this entire time. I think it's the greatest animated movie ever made, and uh, I will guess why I will have to prove it. Yeah, you're gonna week. have to convince me that it is better than Princess Mononoke, because we will I, see. having seen Wind Rises already, would agree that it's better than probably everything except that. Okay. I think I just like Mononoke that much, and I like its themes, and I like its story so much that um, right. I would hesitate to say anything's better than it. Now, Wind Rises is a completely different kind of movie. It's uh, the most realistic of any of his movies. There's no, there's there's sort of fantasy elements in in terms. It's of a couple dream, dream sequences. sequences, but that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm curious to see what we end up with at the end of this. Yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be in next week. It's gonna be a very interesting episode. I'm excited. And after that, we'll uh, do Snyder Cut and then spin Resident Evil and <laughs> deeply sigh and start going. Through those. I really hope you're wrong or right. Question mark. <laughs> I hope I'm wrong. Yeah. You're gonna want something good after we have to watch four hours of Snyder. Yeah, I'm gonna want. I'm gonna want The Godfather. Yeah, that's what yeah, I that'd want. be fun. I'd, I'd enjoy doing that. Yeah, three weeks, real short. Right. I'll rank those I'll for you that. right now. One, two, three. It's three. Right, we did it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow, that was hard. Wow. I've never even seen three, and I was able to do that. Wow, that's impressive. Um, Good job, buddy. <laughs> I'll give three its fair shake whenever we do that, but, like, you know. I, yeah. There's no way. There's no way. No, it's, yeah. it's, basically, it's basically impossible. Yeah. All right. I think that'll do it for us. I'm getting out of here. I got to go to bed. Oh, man. At noon. At bed at noon. Well, you got that yeah, weird I work, work schedule. Yeah, man. Yeah, I'm working nights right now, so I'll get up at like 8 p.m. We'll be fine. All right. Good luck, man. All don't right. food poison yourself again. No, I'm going to try real hard. As long as I don't eat some sus wontons, we're yeah, good. Yeah, don't do that. <laughs> that. That's number one rule, kids. Don't eat sus wontons. You'll be okay. I agree. Bye, everybody.